Hello, everybody. I'm Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for joining us today. I've been reading this biography of Mother Teresa lately. It's a real expose. Let me tell you, that woman was not a saint. Just joking. She actually literally is a saint in the most formal sense of the word. And the biography is not an expose. Mother Teresa was born Agnes Boyajou in Eastern Europe. And at a young age, she felt called to a life committed completely to God. When she was 18, she left her family, many of whom she would never see again, to become a missionary nun and also to become Mother Teresa, eventually winding up in Calcutta, India. As a nun, she took a vow of poverty, which was a serious thing, but it wasn't quite enough for Mother Teresa. After some time as a nun, she took an additional vow of poverty to live a life of the poorest of the poor in order to love and serve the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. And that's where she formed the Missionaries of Charity, a religious congregation dedicated to serving the poorest of the poor. Now, when she first started out in Calcutta, she had a bench, a box that served as a table, a chair, a small cabinet that served as an altar, and she was eventually gifted a bed. She would often go without food and relied on others to support her. She apparently had two identical outfits, washing one each evening to wear for the next day. In fact, that's how all of the sisters of the missionaries of charity have lived. Now contrast the life of Mother Teresa with most of our chaotic lives. I don't know about you, like maybe you live a really simple life, but for me, I don't live like Mother Teresa. And for most of us, we live really complex lives. And a big part of the complexity of our lives is in what we possess. It's in our material goods. I mean, there's our homes, which require upkeep. And of course, there's always maintenance. And we need bigger homes to store our stuff. But it's not enough, so we have to have storage units. And what is all this stuff? Well, there's toys and furniture and TVs and video games and knickknacks and we have collections of things like books and stuffed animals and model cars and planes and trains and clocks and pens and sports memorabilia. There's technology like phones and tablets and computers, watches, speakers, monitors. Apple just revealed all their new products this week. We have boxes filled with who knows what. There's decor, pillows, plants, vases, paintings, lots of holiday ornaments. And then there are all of our adult toys. And no, I don't mean those kind. I'm talking about RVs, ATVs, SUVs, jet skis, snow skis, boats, coats, floats. We live with so much. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Trust me, I'm right there with you. I'm not here to bash on owning things. I'm not gonna tell you to give everything away. I don't expect that any of us are going to live like Mother Teresa. Maybe I'll hold out a little hope for maybe one of you. But I also, I don't think that we should ignore the role that our possessions play in our lives and in our hearts. To do so would cause us to miss out on the reality that less is more, that there's something bigger and better than our possessions. My guess is most of you wouldn't disagree with that sentiment. But for all of us, and I mean for all of us, our comforts and our possessions infringe on the sacred space that God wants to inhabit in our lives. Possessions aren't bad. In fact, 
We should see them as good gifts from God, but they are a limited good. And when they become entangled with our hearts, they actually bring, bring harm and chaos to our lives. If we don't, it's like we don't have enough chaos in our lives and in our world right now. I mean, we're in this series right now called The Way Forward, following Jesus in a chaotic world. Our world is chaotic, but also our, our world is chaotic. And we can't always do something about what's happening out there, but we can do something to simplify the chaos in our own lives. And that's our topic for today, simplicity. Richard Foster, uh, in his book, Freedom of Simplicity, he says, simplicity is an inward reality that can be seen in an outward lifestyle. We must have both. To neglect either end of this tension is disastrous. That's what we'll see today. Simplicity is both inward and outward. It's not just one or the other. Now, our passage today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. It's often called the story of the rich young ruler. Now, Laura is our reader today. If you don't know Laura, she's our office manager. Just give the office a call and say hi to her sometime. Now, I encourage you, as she begins to read, to prepare your heart to hear the word of God. Take a few breaths. Prepare to hear what is said to take it in and to let the Holy Spirit form it into your heart. <clears throat> Thank you, Laura. In the story, there's a man who runs up to Jesus and he falls down on his knees before Jesus. This is a guy who is serious. He's not here to test Jesus. He's not just trying to start a dis discussion with him. He's, he's not a troll. He sincere, sincerely is coming after Jesus, running to him. He's looking for answers. He knows there's more that he needs than what he already has. Now, he's not testing Jesus, but Jesus tests him. You know the commandments, Jesus says. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal, and so on, he says. This is all how you relate to other people well, according to God. And the man says, I've done all of those things. Well, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. That's a big ask. That's nothing small. And the man realized how big it was. It says, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, a couple of translation notes here. That uh, his face fell may not capture the sense of the word. It's probably more like he was shocked and appalled. Here's this man who comes running to Jesus, bowing down before him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Sell everything, give it to the poor. What? You must be kidding. I mean, I could use my wealth to help you. Nope, sell it. He was shocked and appalled. 
Second, it says he had great wealth, which is undoubtedly true. But the words literally here are he had many possessions. He had lots of stuff like I do, like most of us do. When it came down to the moment of decision for this man that stands between him and eternal life, it was his stuff that got in the way. It was his stuff that kept him from what he actually wanted. Now remember, simplicity is about inward and outward. If we look at this just as in, in an outward way, we'd be focusing on the thing that he needed to do. But it wasn't just about the man giving his stuff away. If it were just about that, we would all have the same command. Every follower of Jesus for the last 2,000 years should have given up his or her possessions to the poor. But that's not a complete view of what the Bible has to say about our possessions. For example, Paul says in the book of Philippians, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I think the problem is internal for the man in the story. It's about his perception and it's about his heart. Now, a couple of weeks ago, before all the smoke rolled in, my oldest daughter came outside with me late in the evening to take out the garbage. And as I was putting the garbage into the bin, Ruby looked up and she said, wow. And I'm holding the garbage and I look up at the clear night sky and there's nothing remarkable. I look back at Ruby and she's just craned upward and I go, what? She said, look at all the stars. And I look back up and I thought, oh daughter, that's not that impressive. It wasn't that impressive because we live in Milwaukee. We live in a metropolitan area. Now, I love being outside in my backyard on a starry night, but I also like to go camping and backpacking or just be in a more rural area. And if you've ever been in a remote area and looked up at the sky, you know it is something different and special compared to looking at the sky in the Portland metropolitan area. The light from all the homes, the businesses, streets, cars, whatever, hinders our ability to see the fullness of the night sky. Similarly, our perception of what is real, what is important, what is good and beautiful is affected by all of the less important things that take up space in our lives. Kind of like how all of the things that I rattled off at the beginning of the sermon filled the screen so it was hard to see me. The man in the story struggled to perceive, to see that the kingdom of God was bigger, more beautiful, more important, more real than all that he possessed. And just like with him, our possessions have a serious potential to hinder our ability to see the fullness of God and his kingdom. That's a hard truth. But I think it's the truth. We have some vision of who God is, enough to run to him and bow down to him, but do we have enough of a vision to actually let go of the things we possess? Less is more 
because it increases the potential of seeing more of God. Jesus says to the man, you're missing something. You're lacking something. And in order to gain the thing that you lack, you must give up all that you have. Don't you just love it when Jesus says things like that? How about this quote from Mother Teresa? She's no more gentle about it. And it has some harsh language in it, just to warn you. She says, today, once more, when Jesus comes among his own, his own don't know him. He comes in the rotten bodies of our poor. He comes even in the rich choked by their own riches. He comes in the loneliness of their hearts and when there is no one to love them. Jesus comes to you and me. And often, very, very often, we pass him by. I missed him. I, I didn't see him. I didn't recognize him. There were too many other things clouding my vision. I think the problem for the man in the story is that even though he was looking for eternal life, he couldn't see how much greater it was than everything he already had. Now, this is connected to the other internal aspect of simplifying. Remember, it's about our perception and it's about our heart. And of course, those two things are connected. In the story, the man, after Jesus told him to sell everything, he went away sad. He went away grieving. His heart was torn in that moment. Here's all that I possess. And here's eternal life. Now, when I say it like that, it kind of sounds stupid. You know, like when you're watching a movie and the main character is making all the wrong choices and you're like, come on. But that choice is pretty hard for us as well. I think the things that we own, each one pulls a little bit of our hearts. Each thing takes a little space in our hearts becomes important to us in some way. It's another thing for us to hang on to. Have you ever seen a child who has too many toys around them and they're trying to pick all of them up at one time and they drop some as they're picking up others and they start to cry and they get frustrated. They, they can't hold all that they want. It's like the rich man in the story. He wants to hold on to both his possessions and eternal life but he's dropping one. He can't hold on. He's not, he's not able to. His possessions have taken up too much space in his heart. And that's exactly why Jesus tells him that that is the thing that he is lacking. He's lacking the ability to have a single-hearted devotion to God and his kingdom. Are you willing to let go of it all? Do you have enough space in your heart for the kingdom of God? Because you can't hold on to both in the same way. Jesus said to his disciples, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other, which I think is the same thing. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, I mean, I guess we can't have money and possessions then, right? No, that's not true, but you can't let it take up space in your heart that God wants for himself. 
Less is more because it allows more space for God in our hearts. This is the tension that we have to navigate here. And unless you're going to dedicate your life to be like Mother Teresa, you're going to own some things. You're going to have possessions. And you can enjoy those things as a gift from God, but they will naturally start to creep into our hearts, taking space from God and preventing us from being obedient to him, preventing us from being able to follow him. And that's why simplicity, less is more, is important because it limits those things that will naturally start to take space in our hearts. I mean, for me personally, I can see where this happens. I mean, like many of us, I've just accumulated more over the years, especially as my family has grown. But it wasn't always that way. When I first came to be a follower of Jesus in my mid-20s, I gave away pretty much everything that I had. I moved from a fully furnished two-bedroom house down to renting a single room and just whatever I could fit in that room. It was wonderful, honestly. And it wasn't long after that I moved to a smaller room and gave away more of my stuff. Well, now I have a home full of stuff again. (laughs) And my confession to you is that I know, I mean, there's no use pretending any of us are perfect. I know it would be harder to give up everything now than it was for me before. Jesus said to his disciples, right after the man went away grieving, he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is to give up that space in our hearts for the kingdom. And yet, that's actually what's good for us. Richard Foster, who I already mentioned, he says on this passage, this was the burden that bore down upon the rich young ruler. Not only did he have great possessions, but more significantly, the great possessions had him. Of all oppressions, his was the most spiritually debilitating. That's a lot for us to think about in regard to our hearts and our possessions. So remember, we said that simplicity is both inward and outward. And what we've talked about so far are some inward aspects, the way that our possessions affect our perceptions and take space in our hearts. Let's talk just a little bit about the outward. And once again, there's tension here, as with just about anything in our lives. What happens inwardly for us should reflect outwardly. So the more I'm single-hearted toward God, the less I'll be looking toward material possessions to fill up the voids in my heart. At the same time, I can change some outward behavioral things in my life in order to begin influencing my heart and directing it more toward God. Maybe you're in that space right now. Like, I need some outward things or just some practices to help affect my heart. Well, good luck figuring that out. (laughs) Okay, I'll give you a few, just a couple here that you can work with. 
The first one is prioritize the most important things. We generally have a lot of things that we don't need. We're busy with a lot of activity. There are all kinds of things that complicate our lives. And so often we fill up our lives, our time, our physical space with possessions, with things that are appealing, but maybe aren't the most important. But being human as we are, we have limited capacity for things. We have a limited capacity physically, mentally, emotionally. We have a limited capacity with our time and with our resources. So when we fill up the things in our lives that are less important, there's no longer room for those things that are more important, the big rocks in our lives. You can kind of picture this jar right here as maybe your whole life. This is all the capacity that you have. Or maybe you think about it just in terms of your heart. This is the capacity that your heart has to hold on to things. Maybe you think about it in time or anything. It'll apply in a lot of different ways. When your heart is full of so many attachments to the things we possess, there's little room left for God. All of the less important things don't leave room for all of the big, big rocks. But when you prioritize the most important things, when you put the big rocks in first, then you'll find that you'll be able to still have some of those other things. But the big things are still there. The most important things have made it into your capacity before the rest gets filled up with all the unimportant things. What are your big rocks? What's most important to you? Evaluate those things in your life. Write them down. Here's where we get practical. Make a list. Identify them specifically. What are you going to give your limited capacity to? I think most of us this week, we had an exercise in evaluating what was most important to us. I mean, when I have to evacuate my home and I can't take everything with me, I have to identify what can I take and what am I willing to lose? What are the most important things? Now, thankfully, Steph and I, we didn't have to evacuate, but we still talked about it. If we end up having to go, what are we going to take with us? What's most important? Most important. I mean, probably my Beanie Baby collection, but I don't know. I'm just joking. I don't even own a single Beanie Baby, so don't worry about that. Now, if any of you actually lost your home and your possessions in the fires, I don't want to be insensitive to that. That is a devastating loss. We care about what's happening to you. If you need help, you should reach out to us. We are here for you. But for most of us, this last week had the potential to make us realize what was really most important. What are the big rocks in our lives? And this last week has the potential to change the way we view those things going forward. Not just in a crisis, but in a day-to-day -day life of simplicity 
that focuses on what's most important. Jesus said to his disciples, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. What Jesus says here and what we see in the story of the rich young ruler is that the biggest rock is the kingdom of God. The biggest rock is following Jesus and being obedient to him. Don't let the other things keep you from that. Don't let them distract you. Don't let them cloud your vision. Okay, the second practical thing to do is a little more simple. I won't take too much time on it. It's just to get into the habit of saying, every time you're about to buy something, what itch does this scratch? (laughs) Why am I buying that thing? You may even want to enact a 24-hour delay policy for you before you actually buy something. So when you're tempted to buy something, you pause and then you commit to taking 24 hours just to think about that question. What itch does this scratch? How does this help me to love God and to love other people? Because that's really the filter of simplicity in our lives, to love God and to love other people. And because we're part of the kingdom of God, we're following Jesus first and foremost because everything that I have and am belongs to him. How is this purchase a part of that? Now, please understand that this is not a rigid rule because otherwise you'll find yourself in a situation where you're like, I think I kind of need that, but I don't know how it fits into that grid. I I think God wants your needs to be met. And I think he wants you to enjoy things in life too. But this grid, it's just a way for us to slow down a little bit and to weed out some of those things that will be an encumbrance to our hearts. Psalm 62 says, Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Realistically, you're probably still going to accumulate some things in life. But make sure your heart's not attached to them and do what you can to limit the unnecessary things. Okay, so those are a couple of the long-term broad things that you can be doing to activate some simplifying in your life. But every week in this series, we're passing along a specific practice for you to participate in so that as you are seeking to follow the way of Jesus, there's a tool for you to help you along the way. Last week, it was a prayer that John provided and a challenge to stop and unplug two times a day to pray that prayer. And if you download our app, you'll also receive some additional practices for each week that can help shape your life of following Jesus. This week's practice is to give something away. Or maybe give some things away. It could be anything. But if you want it to work for you toward simplifying, it probably shouldn't be something that you were already planning on giving away. Maybe it should be something that's taking up some valuable space in your heart, some space where God wants to enter in. Maybe it's something that's just cluttering up your home so that simplifying your physical space would just bring a little less chaos into your life which I think we all need right about now. I had a friend once 
who for a whole month, 30 days, he gave away a, a number of items that corresponded to the day of the month. So on the first day, he gave away one item. On the second day, he gave away two items. And on the third day of the month, he gave away three items and so on. You could see in a month, that is a whole lot of items. He said it completely changed the way he viewed his possessions. The simple act of releasing the things that we have can have a profound effect on us. Richard Foster says, this biblical instruction of simplicity is not meant to destroy us, but to set us free. It is the glad trumpet call of liberation to all who are oppressed by reputation, wealth, and power. In the story of the rich young ruler, it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love that line. It was in love that Jesus identified the constraints of his heart. And it's in love that he comes to you and to me with an invitation to turn and follow him every day. It's a good offer. It's worth letting go of the things that we have. Join me in prayer. Our loving Father, every good and perfect gift comes from you. You've blessed us with so much. God, I pray that your spirit would protect us from getting all those good gifts entangled into our hearts. God, let our hearts be free and clear to worship you, to follow you, to love you with a single-hearted attitude. God, we, we do love you and we seek to follow you. We don't always do it well, God, but we're so grateful for your grace in every step of the process. We love you. Amen.